And so because of that, you either have to now hold or you have to refinance and you're probably going to get worse returns. You're going to have to come out of pocket to execute that refinance. So that's why it's really important to have a good understanding of what your exit strategies are. Welcome to School of Success, the podcast that will help you reach your goals and become the success story you've always dreamed of. Join us on our journey as we explore the strategies, tools, and tactics needed to build health, wealth, and personal development. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to living life to its fullest with host Brandon Hicks. So let's get started and make your dreams come true. Welcome back to another episode of School of Success. Today, we're going to talk about the various different exit strategies that you could look at utilizing when investing in self-storage. Three major ones that I can think of, and we'll cover them here, which are to buy, add value, then refinance. That's one. Second one would be to add value and then just sell in three to five years or whatever your hold period is. And then the last, which is quite common in self-storage, is to buy a facility, fix it up, refinance, and then hold on to that one in a portfolio and then repeat the process so you can build your portfolio up from one to two to many properties. So each of these has some benefits that we'll go into. And it's very important for you to be thinking about this when you're actually buying the property because you want to make sure that you have multiple exit strategies available to you. You don't want to buy something where everything has to work out perfectly. You have to find the exact right buyer. And if you don't find the right buyer for the situation that you're in, then you can't sell. You don't want to find yourself in that situation. So it's very important that when you're looking at purchasing up front, you run through all of the possible scenarios and exit strategies that you can think of. You also want to have an idea of what the returns will be so that if my primary exit strategy does not work, if things change five years from now, you know that if you go to your backup option, you'll still achieve strong returns. And that's important if you have investors in your deals, you want to make sure that no matter what the disposition is at the end, whether it's to refinance and hold for an extended period of time, or if it's to sell or to roll it up into a portfolio, you want to make sure that all are advantageous for your investors and for your team so that you're protected on the disposition. So the first one is buying a facility, adding value in some way. There's a number of ways we can do that. Then refinancing and then holding. And so what are those value add strategies? We've talked about them a little bit before, but it could be to raise rents. So you want to be looking to see if the facility that you're about to purchase has an opportunity to raise the rents by looking at the competition. So that's one way you could add value. The second value add opportunity is occupancy. A lot of times mom and pop owners might not be so focused on maintaining the optimal occupancy and they might be low. And the reason they might be low is because they don't advertise, their website is old or they don't even have one. They might not have an online presence. And again, they might not be advertising. And because of all of that, people in the area might not know that their facilities even exist or that it's there for rent. If it's not in a great location, like on a main road, if it's tucked down a side street, a lot of people might miss it just in driving around the neighborhood. And because of that, if they're not advertising or budgeting for advertising, they might have low occupancy. So that's another value add opportunity. And then a third one is one that we look at doing a lot, which is adding automation improving the customer experience, optimizing expenses, looking at the payroll, seeing how we can maybe just bring a boots on the ground person to the facility. Maybe we 
we can bring in a call center rather than having someone on site all day long. So just seeing how we can optimize the expenses and really improve that customer experience. So our facility is the one that customers want to work with. So that's another value add opportunity. And then some other ones would just be improving the facility, putting a fresh coat of paint so it looks nicer, improving the pavement. Maybe it's power washing the old concrete. Maybe it's fixing the cracks and potholes, or maybe it is adding pavement. Maybe it was gravel before and we wanted to spruce it up because the rest of the competition actually doesn't use gravel. Maybe they have pavement. So there's a number of things like this that we could do to raise the value of the property. And because this is a commercial property, anything we can do to increase the NOI, again, the income minus the expenses is the NOI. So anything we can do to increase the income, increasing the occupancy, increasing the rent, or decrease the expenses, optimizing the operation, either of those will improve the NOI. And when we improve the NOI, and divide by a cap rate, we end up with our value. But anything we can do to increase that NOI has an exponential impact on the value of the property. So we want to be adding that value as quickly as we can, because once we add that value, we could go to a bank and say, we bought this facility for a million dollars by raising rates, by improving the occupancy, and whatever value add work we did, we were actually able to bring this property up to what is now a $1.5 million value. And we did that in the last 18 months. So we've been able to increase the property's value 50% by doing the work that we've done. And that's not uncommon to hear. Actually, I've heard of a lot of cases where the storage value could increase even much more than that, sometimes maybe even double depending on how poorly run the facility was when you took over, and then how much value you could extract from the work that you did. But the reason this is important is because now when you can go to the bank and say, hey, 18 months ago, the property was $1 million, but today it's 1.5. I want to refinance, they'll look at your numbers and say, okay, we can give you a 75% LTV or 80% LTV. And then you could take that loan and use that to pay off your original loan and potentially pay back your investors if you had investors. And then that can leave you sometimes with no more money in the deal. So by actually doing that refinance, you can pay off all your existing debt. You could potentially pay off or return the capital back that either you put in the deal or that your investors put in the deal. And by doing that, now you control and own this asset with none of your original money in the deal. Now it's almost financially risk-free because you have no money left in the deal. Now you're getting infinite returns. And this is a scenario that a lot of investors are looking for. It's a great situation to be in if you can buy this facility with either your own money or partner's money, fix it up, and then a couple years later, go to the bank, refinance, and return back all of that money so there's no more of your own money left in the deal. But you still own this asset, which has a one million value, let's say, and still cash flows. So now you're getting infinite returns, which is just a home run of a deal. So that's one exit strategy that a lot of investors will consider. Another is to buy, fix up and hold. So to buy the facility to do all the value add work that we talked about, but then maybe they don't refinance and they just want to hold it for about three to five years and then they'll sell. And there's a number of reasons why someone might want to do that. Maybe their investors are not looking for such a long-term investment. You know, in that first option, the refinance and hold, they might be refinancing in two to three years, but holding for an additional five or seven years. And maybe an investor doesn't want to have their money tied up in one investment for a total of seven to 10 years. So as an investor, you need to be thinking about what your business strategy is, how much money you're going to need to execute on that business strategy and what your investors are actually looking for. Do their investment goals align with the goals that you have for your business plan? 
Some investors might be looking for a quicker turnaround on their money. They might be looking to receive their money back in three to five years. They might be willing to take a little bit less of a return or less cash flow over time, but they want to have all of that capital back. They don't want to have it tied up for too long. And so that's where this exit strategy is one that you might want to consider depending on what your investors are looking for. So again, that would be to just buy, fix up, improve the operations, add value, and then just hold for a period of three to five years and sell when the timing makes sense for you. And then the last one could either be a combination of one or two, but it is doing this on repeat. It's finding facilities, fixing them up, and then adding them into your portfolio, which a lot of times investors will do under a brand. You see an extra space storage or life storage. Those are the biggest companies in the United States that own self-storage, but there's a lot of other companies too that have built their own portfolios. And really what they're doing is just continuing to find facilities that meet their buy box. They get them under contract, close on them, add value, and then just hold them in their portfolio, whether they refinance or not, but they're just holding them into their portfolio. And the reason why this is a great strategy is that some bigger companies will actually look for smaller investment companies that have a portfolio and are willing to pay a premium for that portfolio. So an investor like me, let's say I build up a portfolio of five to 10 facilities and they're smaller facilities, but they were previously mom and pop. They weren't run very well. I put in the sweat equity and I put in the time and the effort to fix them up, get them under one brand into one portfolio. And now they're all operating in the same way. They're all operating very efficiently. That's very very attractive to a bigger company who doesn't want to spend the time to do all the value add, put all the systems in place. So they would be willing to purchase my portfolio at a premium, at a lower cap rate because of all the work that I've done. Now they might get a lower return on their money for doing that, but as a larger company, their investment goals are very different from mine. And so they might actually want the stability of a portfolio that has very little capital expenditure needs at this point, very little value add because I've already done the work. And so that's one of the really nice things about self-storage investing is that there's so many exit strategies that you could be looking at that give you flexibility on the disposition side, but it's something that you really want to be thinking about up front. You don't want to be forced into having to do a refinance. And this is a great time to be talking about that because interest rates are much higher than a lot of people were probably anticipating. If you bought a property in 2020 or 2021, and now 2023 interest rates are 7% when they were 3 to 4% just two to three years ago, it's unlikely that you were actually underwriting and assuming that when you go to do your refinance, say in 2023, that interest rates are as high as they are. You might've thought that interest rates would only go up from four to five or three to five, but now here we are with interest rates, six and a half, seven percent probably unlikely that you assumed that. And so now if the deal only got good returns by having a refinance in 2023 at 5% interest rate, well, you're very unlikely to get that interest rate today. And so because of that, you either have to now hold or you have to refinance and you're probably going to get worse returns. You're going to have to come out of pocket to execute that refinance. So that's why it's really important to have a good understanding of what your exit strategies are, run those scenarios in your underwriting model so that you can then see, okay, if I refinance in year three and interest rates are here, what are my returns? Okay, those are still good. What if I can't refinance because the interest rates are really high? Well, I don't need a refinance because I've already run the scenario where I'm just going to hold for the next two to three years and I know 
know that my debt service coverage is still strong. I know that my returns are still strong. So although I would love to refinance because that'll be a better deal, I could still hold on to the property and it'll still be successful. We'll still be able to make all of our expense payments. We'll be able to make the debt service payments and we'll still get our investors their returns that they're expecting. And it'll still be a win for everybody. But it's important to go through each of those scenarios and understand them before you get into a deal so that you are protected on the disposition. Hey, I appreciate you listening to another episode of School of Success. I'm committed to helping others reach their full potential. So if you found value, please leave a five-star rating and review. With that, we can reach more people and help make their dreams come true.